Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. Last week, the New York Times published a piece by journalist Ron Stodgill that featured St. Louis in its Walks Around the World series. Stodgill, who's based in Columbia, Missouri, followed a path downtown where Black St. Louis history is highlighted and celebrated. And he started his walk at Pillars of the Valley, the art installation that memorializes the lost neighborhood of Mill Creek Valley, just outside St. Louis City SC's stadium. Earlier this year, I spoke with the artist behind Pillars of the Valley, Damon Davis, and with former resident of the raised neighborhood, Vivian Gibson, who authored a memoir about her childhood there called The Last Children of Mill Creek. They joined us right after the Pillars were unveiled at an intimate event with other former residents and elected officials. I asked Damon and Vivian how they felt seeing the Pillars of the Valley debut. Here's Damon. I feel great. Um, <laughs> yes, it, it's uh, it's overwhelming to a degree because uh, we've been working on it for so long. I, I, I met Ms. Gibson at the beginning of this journey, and it's been about five years working wow. on this. Yeah, yeah. And so Pillars of the Valley is finally coming to fruition, and we still got more to do. Okay. Yeah. And I'm excited for Damon because this is a beautiful art installation and it so represents the community that I grew up in and I love and so I'm excited, I'm happy, I'm proud. Damon, can you describe what the memorial looks like? Yeah, um, so when you see it there's like a forest of about uh, eight 15 foot tall granite and limestone pillars um, that sit directly in front of the new MLS St. Louis City Soccer Stadium. And on the ground, there are um, lot lines, right, that were drawn specifically there because there were actual homes. So so at the base of, I guess, each outline of the lot line is the number of the house that was there. And, and it continues east um, and inside of other, I guess, uh, greenery or, sh- or shrubs that also draw out light lines for each of those houses. We thought it was very important that you um, understood that you were standing where someone's home was when you when you're there. Um, also, we have uh, names on a plinth that are uh, adjacent to the main installation that are from the 1940 census that tell you exactly who lived on that block right there, right? Um, along with an artist statement and a map of of the greater area of Mill Creek. Um, and also, you can see what buildings actually still exist. Vivian, how how did it look to you, and how would you describe the memorial? Well, I love the outline of the houses that are there, and they're 
they seem to be to scale uh, the size of the houses with the addresses there. And people can come if they have an idea that their family lived in the 2100 block of Market Street. They can come there and see that space. I think that's great. Uh, I have been describing the pillars as 12 feet. So now I'm glad to know it's 15. <laughs> They're lovely. They have quotes etched in them uh, from former uh, residents. I have a quote. You can go look for mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it's just beautiful. And the scale of it is just so incredible because it's an entire city block. How did it feel uh, specifically for you, Vivian, having grown up in Mill Creek, to see people in that area moving around the, the memorial? It was moving. And uh, it was very uh, moving to see other residents, uh, people who describe themselves as children or the last children of Mill Creek, and they're in their 70s and 80s. And it made me realize how timely this installation. My book is that these people can read it, and they're so proud. Mm -hmm. If the St. Louis question is, what high school did you go to? The Mill Creek question is, where did you live? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And people give their addresses, and it's just really wonderful. So what did that community look like, Vivian? It was a community that's very, very similar to what is now Lafayette Square and Soulard. Same architecture, same housing stock. Uh, It was densely populated. There were no parks. Uh, The trees were in the backyard. Um, but it, it, but it was very much an urban setting, mm-hmm. there and people a walking community. So people were on the street where you don't see that downtown anymore. People mm-hmm. were walking to streetcars and buses and jobs, that sort of thing. So it was a very lively, close knit community. And Damon, how much of that description you know that Vivian has provided um, animated your imagination? as you were designing the memorial? No, I think all alike, not only Ms. Gibson, but I, but I had the privilege of having, um, having access to a lot of these elders that once lived there. So, so throughout the process, um, I, was, I was pulling on either uh, direct communication or, or recorded interviews, uh, imagery, but I was always at the front of my mind, I wanted to make some that people that actually lived there could, could it resonated with them more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And so so along uh, the whole time I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about their history, mm-hmm. like history specific to them and also time. And so that's why uh, you mentioned the shadows. So so it's, it's two things happening there. One, it's it's a uh, an hourglass, right, a symbol of time. But also, depending on what time you're standing out there, those things are moving like like a sundial. Mm-hmm. So, so time is always at the point at the center of the project. And speaking of time, you said it was about five years from beginning to this unveiling. Yeah. Um, why did it take so much time and what was occurring in that period? A lot of uh, planning, a lot, like my original drawings and stuff, it, it, like a lot of different inceptions of, of the project. Also me, this is the biggest project I've ever done and also my first four year into architecture and how to get things that big to actually stay there and stand up from talking to different uh the, the architects that, that were helping me at LJC just learning what could actually happen and what could you know just refining it to make it the most perfect thing possible because you only get one shot at something like this and it's going to be there 
long after long after us. So I just wanted to make sure I got it right for yeah. the people in Middle Creek. Now, Damon, I know that you are a St. Louis native, um, and I had uh, I understand that you were not familiar with Mill Creek Valley yeah. for most of your your time, you know, living, uh, growing up here. Yeah. What does Pillars of the Valley mean to you in that regard? Yeah. Well, I, I will say this. I, I grew up in East St. Louis, and I was I come from a family that was very uh, militant and pro-black. So I thought that I was getting taught black history all of it. Like, it wasn't for one month. It was all the time. My mm-hmm. dad had... One, I had one homework from school, and my father had a different set of things that I had to learn for him, right? So it was really mind-blowing that it's something this close to me that was such a thriving community with so many prominent black people, but also different class levels, but just that there was a there was an ecosystem of blackness in the center of St. Louis, and I never heard it. It was, it was mind-blowing to me, and I want to make sure that that— no other kids grew up like me not knowing about this place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're speaking with artist Damon Davis, who is the artist behind Pillars of the Valley, which is the new memorial that has been um, erected by uh, the St. Louis Soccer Stadium and Vivian Gibson, who is the author of a memoir called The Last Children of Mill Creek. And I want to pick up with that question to you. Um, what does Pillars of the Valley as a as a memorial, as a, you know, as a as an action, mm-hmm. mean to you as someone who experienced what is now no longer there. Not that is not in, no longer there. We have not been erased after all. That was my big fear. When uh, ever when I was ever talking about Mill Creek, I would hear. I never heard of it. Where was it? And so now there's something permanent there that children for generations to come could ask, what was Mill Creek? Where was it? How did it happen? What happened to it? Ask those questions and do the research and uh, read about it and get stories Mm -hmm. that are from people who actually lived there. So what would you like people to feel or learn from the memorial, and particularly given the things that you have pointed out about what stood out to you? What I would like is for people to not think of it as a slum. I heard that even today, that people resented resented hearing that it was described as a slum because there were some very lovely homes that were there. There were portions that were more run down, but those are the only pictures you could find Mm -hmm. in archives, in newspapers. And so I don't think it was truly representative. Mm -hmm. Damon, at the beginning of the conversation, you talked about uh, being proud of the memorial and that there's more left to do. Yeah. Um, what is left to do that you would like to be personally involved with? Yeah, well, I will say that, like, literally, the, the monument is not complete. That's just one piece of the monument. It's going to go, um, it's going to be roughly a mile long, and it will end at uh, Harris Stowe State University. So, so, so there will be more pillars specifically on the street to, to commemorate uh, Mill Creek. But we also thinking about a few other things because uh, the legendary Negro League uh, baseball team, the St. Louis Stars, 
that they played right in front of um, Harris Stowe at that field. There was there, there were multiple venues like uh, the Booker T. Washington Theater. The the People's Financial Building was there, one of the first black institutions in St. Louis. So we plan to make sure people know some 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 layers about about Mill Creek and the people that live there. So uh, stay tuned. Within the next two to three years, I'm hoping the 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 full monument will be erected and and then people can. It'll be there forever for people to learn more about yeah. that place. So yeah. three, four years plus five—it's yeah, like no, a decade. No, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah. yeah, good things come with time, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, you got to. Um, with the the material statement that were used, did you choose those very intentionally to deliver uh, a certain kind of message? And then, what were some of the things that you did not have control over? Because these things need to stand up to weather and all sorts of other conditions. Yeah, yeah. So one one thing, well, definitely the materials are always important. The materials are part of the story that we're telling. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely wanted black, granted black, like like for, for black people, and black is something that you got to confront. Something that big, like it's not, you, you can see it from the street, but if you get up on it, you see it, it towers over you. There's also with the inscription of people's, um, the, the, the quotes, we wanted to make sure that the actual people from there were a part of the actual monument. Um, and I guess what I learned from from this, because, again, it's the biggest project I've ever done, like what it takes to sewers and lights and all of that. And, and keep in mind, this was a creek here. So the, top, the topography of the ground is something we had to take into consideration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there anything that you two would like to say to one another? I mean, you met at the beginning of this journey um, I will play a little bit of the the fly on the wall with a hot mic. <laughs> yeah, is well, there anything that you would like to? I just want to thank you, Ms. Gibson, because you have been not only a source um, of knowledge and like actual information and inspiration, but you have also came to my aid in times that I needed um, some backing against uh, other, you know, just other entities that want other things to happen. So I just truly appreciate. Yeah, you taking me in um, <laughs> <laughs> from meeting me and just being, yeah, just being a guiding light to, to make sure that I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and representing who I'm supposed to represent this. Thank you, Damon. That's lovely to hear. I feel um, like we're family. I feel like he's my son, so I'm proud <laughs> in, in that sort of way for him. It turns out today... We found out that he knows my son. He yeah. and my son are, are, are acquaintances and the same age. And yeah. so I was drawn to him in that way. And I certainly was there to support him and wanted to be there to support him. And I'm just so happy to be able to have a young black man do this for black people who are not here anymore. So just proud. That was Vivian Gibson, author of The Last Children of Mill Creek, and Damon Davis, the artist behind Pillars of the Valley, a public art installation that was featured in a New York Times Walks Around the World piece that was published last week. I spoke with Damon and Vivian in February after Pillars of the Valley was officially unveiled outside City Park. This episode was produced by Maya Norfleet. Our audio engineer is Aaron Doerr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio.
Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.